up my, myself. Yeah, that's awesome. I, uh, just full disclosure, as they said this morning, for those who arrived late, the air conditioning was working, I think, yesterday, because I was here, and it wasn't warm in here, but it broke, we think, this morning, so we will obviously have that locked in. So just for the sake of everyone, um, you know, when something like this happens, uh, it's not really that big of a deal. I mean, I've preached in Africa in heat and in caves and <laughs> in, you know, less clothing and so forth. And uh, <clears throat> these things happen in Africa. And, uh, but, you know, there is a reality to just the amount of air in the room and just to honor people as well. And heat can, it just climbs when you worship. And so I had this thing in my heart, you know, I was going to, I thought, well, I'll preach first. And um, because the Word of God is obviously supreme. But, you know, the truth of it is also that God's people come to worship Him. And, and so I'm going to try to keep this short. And I just wanted to give more time, actually, for people just to come and worship the Lord. And uh, so I'm not going to fully really preach this morning. I'm just going to give a little cameo as to what we're going to be doing for the next couple weeks or the next maybe even couple months. And, uh, and then we can go. But it was just more important in our hearts just that you come to worship the Lord. Yeah? You really do. I know we come to hear the Word of God, and I can already hear the emails. You know, this was the right decision to preach short, or this was the wrong decision. Don't you think God's Word? And I'm going to get all the emails. But, but you send them, and that's great. I may read them. But, um, <laughs> but I just, it is wonderful to worship and to build a culture of worship. Set my people free that they may worship me. Amen? Amen. So, um, yeah, good morning. You guys good? Wonderful. Well, we're going to be going through the book of Galatians. And it's not something I do a lot. I heard a lot of yes in the audience. Uh, we did a, did a little course maybe, maybe six months ago now, almost a year ago, with some people online. And uh, we went through the book of Galatians, and lives were truly transformed. You know, I've seen more freedom come to people through line-by-line -line teaching, sometimes than I have through power encounters with God, which are very real, and, and they, they're good, and we value them, and they're wonderful to be encountered by the power of the Holy Spirit. But I've seen freedom that is sustained in a life through truth versus a power encounter, because that grounds you, yeah? So we're going to look at the book of Galatians. Now, if you could turn to the book of Galatians, and we're going to go through this. Um, for me, it's probably difficult because I love this book so much. And every word, every sentence has so much meaning in it. And if we were going to go through it to that degree, we would take four or five years. Okay. So I have the task of trying to summarize some things. But um, the book of Galatians, for me personally, is a very, very important book. It set me free many, many years ago. When I first got saved... I started to just devour Scripture. It was just a hunger God put in my heart for Scripture. I grew up in the church. Uh, I wanted nothing to do with the church. wasn't interested, really, in the things of God. And then God got a hold of my heart. And I started to read Scripture. And um, I would have Scripture going while I was sleeping. And I'd have Scripture in my, you know, in my, what, cassettes. You remember cassettes? Yeah? In my car in Africa. And all the, And this book... I would sometimes go, you know, away for a weekend and sit and study the book of Galatians. I didn't know why I was so drawn to this book. 
and I'd sit and study it and read it three or four times a day. And uh, that may make me sound very super spiritual. It was just something that God put in my heart to do. And so it's a very precious book for me. And uh, it is, has many subjects and many points, but largely it's about grace, the grace of God and the truth of the gospel. If you could summarize the book of Galatians in a statement, it would be, there's a phrase that's often repeated in Galatians that Paul says, the truth of the gospel, the truth of the gospel. And Romans is, the book of Romans I find is about, in a sense, this message to the world about, about Christ and about coming in, to the, coming into salvation and that all are found guilty before God without Christ and this message of almost evangelical, evangelism message and obviously many other things and how Christ came and what he did and, and the, the law of sin and death and all these things that you see, but it's for those coming into the kingdom and then, but Galatians, I find is for those that are in the kingdom, they are saved, they're believers, but it's how do, how do I get on in the kingdom? How do I go forward? How do I grow? And so I give you a, a quick cameo. Um, the context here, many people, just a historical context for the scholars, many people think this is Paul's first epistle. It's written about 49 AD, and it's not written to a church or a person, as some epistles are of Paul. It's written to churches, plural. Uh, it even says that to the it says, Paul, an apostle, not from men, but it says to the churches of Galatia. And Galatia is in Asia Minor, uh, is modern-day Turkey, and there were all these churches, and if you look at it, Paul went uh, through, if you look at Acts, Acts 11 to Acts 14, you see Paul's missionary journey. And he goes through a missionary journey, and he hits these towns, uh, Sidian or Pisidian, I don't know if the P is silent, some say it is, some say it isn't, but Antioch then Iconium, then Lystra, and then Derby, And in each one of these places, something happens that is quite significant. In Antioch, uh, the city came out, it says they were preaching, and the Gentiles heard the message of truth, the message of the gospel, and they begged Paul and Barnabas, please preach more, please preach more. Their preaching was with such authority and such power, convicted hearts. It says then the next week, the next Sabbath, the entire city came out. So they transformed this whole place, this whole city. This entire city came out to hear the truth of the gospel. Then they went to Iconium, and it says they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly. So it wasn't just in for a weekend, out for a weekend. It was they stayed there for some time, spoke boldly about the Lord, and it says many signs and wonders and miracles were done. And so they saw, in a sense, a revival breakout in Iconium. And then they went to Lystra, where Paul raised up a crippled man who was crippled. And the people came out. Now, these were not ex-Jewish people. They, Abraham, Moses, who's the, it was Greeks, largely with a mythological background. Who is Abraham? It's Zeus and, you know, and Hermes and Ares and all this Greek mythology. And they saw the sign and wonder done by Paul. And so they came out and they started worshiping him as Zeus. And uh, Paul is Hermes, I think, and Barnabas is Zeus. And they said, you guys are gods. And so they said, no, no, we are people just like you, but the Spirit of God lives in us. And they started to explain the gospel, and you can come and live in you too. And it says, but even after all of that, they could hardly restrain the people from sacrificing, offer, sacri giving sacrifices to them. So they went, through, and then from there they went to Derby. In actual fact, in Lystra, 
It ended up that people who were against Paul stoned him, I personally think, to death. That's kind of what the Greek says. But it says he rose up and went back into town and preached again. I mean, I've said it before, but imagine that. You're preaching, they stone you because they get so violently angry. It's just a demonic coming against the kingdom. They stone you to death. You get up and you go back and you say, you know, I wasn't finished. I have still some things to say. That's, go read it, Acts 14. So these churches that he's now writing to, in a sense, were started in revival, in power, in authority. They saw cities change, lives turned, lives turned inside out, upside down. Then Paul hears that these churches that were planted this way are falling away. And he speaks to them pretty strongly in the book of Galatians. And he writes this to the churches to go and read it. They used to pass it and read it out. He writes to all these people and he, he says some pretty interesting things. He says, you are foolish. The J.B. Phillips translation, he says, oh dear idiots. So it says Galatians 3. So he writes these things because they are falling away. Now the reason they were falling away is there was a group that came in called the Judaizers. And the Judaizers were people, they were Jewish people. They had come to know Christ, they had come to know the truth, but they were struggling. I don't want to make them bad. They were just working things through. They were struggling to, in a sense, depart from the Old Testament law because they grew up all their life with law, yeah? The Jewish law, all their life, everything they did, the way they dressed, what they ate, how they thought, everything. Now Christ fulfills the law, which we're going to cover a lot in the next few weeks. Christ fulfills the law. They are set free to live from their heart and with a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. But so then hardship comes to them, as you'll see in Galatians. Heart, they go through some difficult times, and he calls it suffering. And he says, if you've suffered in vain. So they're going through hard times, and they're following the Lord. Then the Judaizers come in, and they were people that believed in the Lord, but they, it was, some people have called it the Jesus Plus book. And they came in and they said, no, listen, this is Jesus, yes, that's great, we believe too. But you also need to be circumcised, like the Old Testament. And you need to keep the certain laws, like the Sabbath. And you need, so they came in and they said, Jesus, but also plus this. And that Jesus plus someone said many, many years ago that I listened to. And so they came in with this message of Jesus, but you need to add Jesus to, to your life. You need to add these other things to Christ. Christ is in a sense not enough. You need to keep some of the law. You need to keep this. You need to keep these rules. And this is why you're suffering. This is why you're going through hard times. You're not, you're not doing it right. How many of us know that still happens today? You're not doing it right. And there's the subtle demonic stuff that comes in. Well, you're not doing it right. Or you're not doing enough. So they came in with Jesus plus circumcision, which was from Abraham. Jesus plus Sabbath. Jesus plus, no, you must keep all the Jewish feasts. Jesus plus kosher food. What about today? Jesus plus water baptism. Oh, boy. Should you be baptized? Yes. 
wasn't a big deal in Scripture. If you saved, you got baptized. Just the one went with the other. It's just that simple. It's actually a command. But now there's this whole group. Jesus, no, you're not saved unless. It's Jesus plus. Jesus plus communion. Jesus plus, no, Jesus and nothing else. And this is what he's dealing with. Jesus Christ plus nothing. So Paul exhorts them. Listen to what he says. Galatians 3. Oh foolish Galatians. As I said, the J.B. Phillips translation says, Oh you dear idiots of Galatia. Imagine, imagine me standing and saying, You stupid people. Hello? That's what he did. He says, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? That word bewitched is actually the real word for witchcraft. Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. Now they were not there to crucifixion. This is 50 years. Well, it's actually, I'm trying to do the math, 16, 17 years after. They weren't there. But his preaching was of such authority that it was as if he was crucified in front of them. We, we saw how they were started. Acts 13, 14, with signs and wonders, miracles, power, cities being transformed, joy in the city, the whole city coming out. It was like Christ was crucified in front of them. They begged him to preach. They worshipped these guys as gods, even though they weren't. But now something comes in from the side. It happens in every church, too, just by the way. Something comes in from the side and says, well, you've got to add this, and you've got to add this, and you've got to add this. And the joy goes. It says, did you receive, sorry, this only I want to learn from you, Galatians 3, 2. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? He's pointing them back. Do you remember what happened? Did that happen because of all the stuff you're adding? He said, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Another way to say it, a simple way, is that J.B. Phillips says it this way. Um, I will ask you one simple question. Did you receive the Spirit of God by trying to keep the law or by, leaving, or by believing the message of the gospel? And he says, are you so foolish? <laughs> Imagine. Imagine in this offended day. Are you that silly? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect? That means mature, complete, whole. Are you now being furthered? By the flesh, by the old nature, by the things that you can accomplish. Have you suffered? There it is. Have you suffered so many things in vain? Because they were going through hard times. If indeed it was in vain. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you. This is such a big point. I'm struggling not to go down this rabbit trail. The miraculous power of God is tied to His grace more than anything else. That he's enough. <laughs> We're going to cover that. It's going to be fun. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or the hearing of faith? You could say it like this. Does God, who gives you his Spirit and works miracles among you, do these things because you have obeyed the law or because you have believed, your, believed the gospel? Ask yourselves that. Very interesting. Sorry, I see Justin and Alyssa here. Hello, wonderful people. They're my friends. So, 
They come in from the side. These people come in from the side. It happens in every family, especially in adolescence. Parents see their children going through all this stuff. The teenagers, right? They're interesting. Very interesting. I led youth for many years. And they have a world of emotions in a week. And, uh, you know, what happened last week, which was the end of the world, is forgotten because you don't know what's happening this week. It's, you know, everything else has changed again and again and again. So they go through all this stuff, but then people come in from the side, other friends and influencers and the wrong people, and they start speaking to them. No, it's, this is how you must live. And, this is, and you see these influencers coming from the side. They're not an authority over them. You know, that's what I'm talking about. And you watch them believe that and be pulled aside. It happens in every church. People come in. They're not in leadership. They're not in authority. And leaders, it's not about control. We know that here very well. We, cannot, we are not called to control people at all. But there's a God-given authority. And they're not in a position of leadership, meaning they will never give account to God for you. But they come in from the side, and it's conversations in the parking lot, and come aside to me, don't listen to that, come here, come here. And they cause devastation and hurt and pain. And sometimes they don't mean it, yeah? And I know we can hear the children today, but that's just to keep it a little bit cooler. For those of you who need children or want children, listen. That's what, that's what your house will sound like. It happens in entire generations and cultures. Think back on all the different generations. An entire generation can buy into an ideology. It's because someone come in from the side. Hello. So, this is what he's addressing. And it is still like this today. The Holy Spirit will put something in your heart. He will put something in your heart so deep and so true and so real, you will feel like in that moment no one can take it from you. And no one can. And people don't come and try, in a sense, take it from you. The enemy doesn't speak to you to say you're absolutely wrong. He just wants to add things. Add this, add this, add this, add this. this it's not actually enough. Jesus is not, he doesn't say it like this in your thoughts. You're not doing this enough. You need to do this more. If you want this outcome, you need to do this. If you want this outcome, and it's Jesus plus. Jesus plus. Add more. Add more. And we all do it. It happens to all of us. It's not even done in pride. It's part of the old nature. What was the first thing they did in the garden with the old nature? What was the first thing they did? They try to fix it themselves. We will cover up. We will fix the issue. What is wrong with humanity, we can fix it up. And humanity has proved that they cannot. There are still wars. There are still divisions. There are still strife. There is still pain. There are still all these things on the earth. And we don't realize we're doing it. We go in the strength of the Spirit for a while. We fall in love with Jesus. He touches our heart, changes our life. Everything changes. Our marriage changes. Our relationships change. We are not offended so easily. Everything changes. And then plus this and add this and add this. You need to do this more. And the joy goes. The love goes. And it just happens to all of us. And we come back to our knees, and we say, Jesus, you're enough. It's just you. So, this book is amazing as it deals with this. Anytime, uh, I think it was Gary Hamrick who said this, anytime you have Jesus plus, you have a man-made religion. 
And anytime you have a man-made religion, you have in a whole set of laws that you have to live up to, you are not qualifying for something. The Bible says the Father has qualified you. It's done. So, the law, due to this whole issue that's going on in Galatians, Paul writes heavily on grace, heavily about the grace of God. The grace of God, grace means unmerited favor. It's the favor of the sinless life of Jesus Christ placed upon you as if you lived it. That's how God sees you, as if you lived his life. That's what grace means, unmerited favor. The law of the Old Testament was God putting his moral requirements, his moral standard, his holy requirements, his righteous requirements into the earth, knowing, the Bible says in Romans, that you would never fulfill it. Knowing that. The Bible says the law was added in Romans 4 and 5. Go read it. The law was added to make sin increase. See, you preach like this and people say, oh, are you saying people should sin more? You know, Paul was accused of preaching that way. So I'm okay because then I'm in good company. Paul was accused of preaching to such a way that people say, you're saying people should sin more. He's saying, no, you missed the point of the law. The law came to make sin increase because the Bible also says, without knowledge of the law, without, sin comes through not knowing the law. It's like a child. Don't touch that. Don't touch what? And so he put his law on the earth to prove to us that we cannot solve what's wrong with hum humanity. We cannot solve what's wrong with the heart. We cannot change it. He put it in the earth for that reason. To point out Jesus Christ. I will send my son. I will come myself. We have to understand that. I'm not saying we should live immoral lives. Of course I'm not. But we can, no one can live up to it in a sense that you are saved that way. No one has and no one ever will. So the law, some examples, is a mirror to show us that something is very wrong with humanity. That's what it was, this extreme requirement. The law, someone said, is a thermometer. It is to show us that we have a fever, that we are sick, but the thermometer doesn't make you better. It just shows you that there's a problem. I've said it this way. The law is like a flashlight taken into the attic. If you take a flashlight into the attic and you switch it on and you see all the dust, right? No one says, oh my goodness, the flashlight, look how much dust it created. The dust was already there. The flashlight exposes it. The law exposes the condition of your heart. That was its point. But it doesn't lift a finger to help you and it can't change you. This is what the Bible teaches all through Romans, Galatians. So Paul writes about grace. Justice is getting what we deserve. Mercy is getting what we don't deserve. Grace, sorry, mercy is not getting what we deserve. But grace is getting what you don't deserve. There's a big difference. When something settles in your heart about the things I'm talking about, we're going to read and then we'll be done. When something settles in your heart about Jesus plus nothing, an amazing thing happens. Life starts to come. Joy starts to come. A desire and a love for Jesus that makes no sense to a person who's not saved. What do you mean you love Jesus? He's not even here. Where, I mean, what do you, they can't, it's not, the Bible says the minds are blinded. That doesn't make them of less value or less a person than you. It doesn't. 
We have the same value, but they can't see it unless God reveals it to their heart. And when he does, it changes you inside and out. And you know in your heart, I love Jesus. I want Jesus. I want to be, be in his presence. I want to know him. It's real to you. It changes everything. It changes everything, absolutely everything. And then you want to serve him. You want to love like he loves. You want to think like he thinks. You want to, those are the good works the New Testament talks about. It's good works from, not good works toward. I came up with this many years ago. The Lord put this in my mind, actually in a dream. Grace is from. The law is toward. The law is, I must do this so that I can. Toward salvation. Law is like, I'm trying to earn. I'm trying to do it. I'm trying to be enough. It's toward the Lord. Grace is because of everything. I do those same things, but from everything he's already done. I've already, that's already happened. I'm a, that's settled. I'm already a son. I'm loved. I'm righteous in his sight. I, all these things. And because of that, something is in my heart. I want to do these. And the very motivations of the desires change like that. And then someone comes in from the side with a loving heart because they're trying to help. Did you do this enough? Did you do that? Did you do that? Did you give enough? Did you? It's what Jesus did with the rich young ruler. I've done all these things, Lord, he said. I've done all these things. It's like Jesus saying, okay, well, I've got to find the one thing you didn't do. Uh, boom, go give away all your stuff. Oh. Why? Everything about his conversation was, I've done it. Jesus said, okay, well, go do this. I bet you if you did it, came back. Jesus said, okay, go do that. That's why Galatians is called the Magna Carta of Christian liberty, the Christian charter of Christian freedom. That's some people, scholars, commentaries call Galatians that, the Magna Carta of Christian liberty. But I ask you one question and then we'll be done. We didn't even get to read, which I really wanted to do. This book will bring up a, a single question in your heart. What is freedom, really? What does it mean to be free? Why? This book that is the Magna Carta of Christian liberty, the, the, the Christian freedom, the freedom in Christ, the grace of God. I can, gee, I'm just free. I can do whatever I want. That's how some people think about it. And this incredible freedom that touches the heart. The same book that has these verses. You are delivered and rescued from this present evil age. Freedom. You are called in the grace of Christ. 1 verse 6. There are false brothers, Galatians 2, 4, who came in to spy at our liberty. We were so free that people came to spy on how free we were. Galatians 2, 16. A man is not justified, mean made right before God, by anything they can do, by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Galatians 5.1, I stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. All these verses, the same book says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The same book says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, the old nature. The same book says, the world has been crucified to me. In other words, I want nothing to do with the world, its systems, its culture, its entertainment, nothing. It's been crucified to me. It's disgusting to me and me to the world. Galatians 6. The same book says, I bear in my body, Paul, literally scars, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. The same book says these everything's free and wonderful, but the same book has these verses. 
And as I began to do this and apply it to my life and, and think about it, and what is, it, it, a question rose up in my heart. What then is freedom? And I submit to you that freedom is not what the world says freedom is. Freedom is not, I just do whatever I want without consequence. Freedom is not this. It's not all the things that people think, I just want to be free. But when the power of the grace of God hits your heart, you feel like that. And sometimes people go and do those things. Do you not understand grace? Do you not understand I can do what I'm going to go do this? Doesn't change Jesus' love. Doesn't change my righteousness. Doesn't change this. Doesn't change. And that's all true. So they go and, and then they start to, well, I'm now living out of the old nature, living out of the flesh. I'm living in what I was freed from. This is not freedom. What is freedom then? And this book will teach you that. What is freedom really? And freedom will always come, always. God gives freedom that comes with his identity for you. It starts there. God will give you freedom that comes with purpose, your life purpose. And God will give you freedom that comes with different motivations, eternal issues. That's freedom. God will give you freedom that comes with life fulfillment. You know how many people I've met in what I do that are, way older than me <laughs> and they cry in my office they say I don't know if my life is worth or if I've lived many so <laughs> I don't even read we are going to get into Galatians I'm very excited about it I encourage you to go home read it it's an amazing book, and we're going to say, God, set us free so we can live for you. But there's a process in freedom. Amen? That's it. It's hot. I love you all. Let's go home. Go stand in the hallway where it's nice and cool, and I'm excited about this. Amen? Can we trust God together? Great. Bless you. Over to you, Josh. This Keep this short. If you want prayer, there's a trained ministry team over there. Otherwise, God bless you. Go get cooler. Good morning, Free Life Church. We're glad you're here. If you are visiting in person, please stop by the Connection Corner in the lobby to receive your welcome bag and learn more about Free Life Church. A member from our Connection team will be there to answer any questions you have. We look forward to meeting you. On Saturday, May 29th, there will be a Foundation of Liberty Saturday Seminar. If you were unable to attend or missed a week, come join us to learn more about the Biblical Foundation of America that wasn't taught in history class. Baptisms are coming up. If you would like to be baptized in water, please sign up for our next baptisms happening on June 6th at 2 p.m. after church at the home of Kevin and Katie Poole here in Leesburg. Remember, for more information about all of our upcoming events, please see the events page on our website. Thanks for tuning in.